Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father, for he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good evening, everyone. This evening, Jesus gives a very difficult commandment, and that is the commandment to love our enemy, but also to become perfect, just as the Heavenly Father is perfect. And for many of us, we might think uh, this sounds pretty much impossible, or it may become something that we have heard so often that we are no longer uh, trying, striving to do these things. Uh, but it's important that we recognize that as disciples of Jesus Christ that we're called to constantly work on that, loving our enemy, trying to become more and more perfected. When Jesus said that you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, this is something we find in the Old Testament, but it's also something that is extremely old. It's been said that this is one of the oldest laws known to mankind. And in the Code of Hammurabi, which goes back 2,200 years, we will find this law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I think we understand this um, like maybe in our bones. As children, uh, you oftentimes will see your children acting this out. Uh, have you ever seen your children um, try to settle their difference and you know, maybe one of the child hit the other child, he says, okay, hit me back, just don't tell mom. And then they'll hit him back and say, wait a minute, you hit me harder than I hit you. Okay, well, hit me back. Well, now you hit me twice, I owe you another one. And so the kids will work this out, a tit for a tat, as they say, uh, all on their own without learning any sort of law or code. Some people, when they hear this law, an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, will think that it is a savage law. You know, this, somehow it's like a savage law. But uh, this was uh, of the, the beginning of mercy, to have an end to the violence. It was considered a very merciful law. 
and it was designed to bring about an end to the violence. When you had tribal wars, families fighting with other families, oftentimes the retribution would go far beyond any sort of uh, fairness. If there had been a fight between two people of two different families and one lost his eye, it might not be so far a stretch of the imagination to imagine one family saying, we're going to find this guy who did this to you and we're going to kill him. And so an eye for an eye was thought to be something fair to end the further bloodshed, to end further violence. It was never intended as a law that would be carried out by the individual. It was a rule to be applied by a judge who would oversee the, the case. And in the context of uh, the Jewish law, it was almost never carried out, but rather it was, they looked upon it in terms of monetary value. And it's still the case where the way that we try law in our own country is uh, based on. So what would happen is they would say, okay, he caused me to lose my eye. And then the judge would say, okay, an eye for an eye, what's the value of your eye? Let's say it's $10,000. You owe him $10,000. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> uh, that's, we still practice this kind of law in our courts today. And so rather than looking at it as a savage law, it was seen as the beginning of mercy. And now Jesus, in this gospel passage, takes it even further and says that if we want to seek perfection, to be like God, then we need uh, mercy. And mercy trumps justice. And so mercy goes beyond what is uh, just. And so Jesus then even teaches us to do good or to love uh, our enemies. And this does indeed seem like a very, very uh, difficult thing to do. Uh, but love is stronger than evil. A lot of times people will look at Christians and think that Christians are somehow uh, weak or wimpy. But it is very easy when someone antagonizes you to turn it into a fight. It takes a lot more strength. Uh, to withhold yourself, and even more so to forgive someone who has hurt you deeply. But, the, but love is stronger than violence and hatred. If you look at kingdoms in the world that have been founded on violence, think of the Roman Empire had conquered the known world with its fine armies. They are all gone. You think of all the violence that was uh, uh, committed by the Nazis, and how quickly Germany spread, it seemed like nothing was going to stop them. Uh, they're all gone. You think of the uh, Alexander, they called him the Great, and his Greek armies conquering the world. You think of all these armies, and all these armies that are founded on violence, they have all gone to the wayside. But there is one kingdom that was founded on forgiveness of our enemies and even love for them. And that kingdom has existed for over 2,000 years, and that would be 
Christ's kingdom. And when we find people who forgive, oftentimes you will see great healing and even uh, miracles that abound. I'm going to mention two stories here. Hope you like stories. Uh, one is uh, Cardinal Francis Van Tuan. And this was not very long ago. A friend of mine actually had him as his spiritual director when he was in Rome. Uh, cardinal Francis Van Tuan was a uh, Vietnamese cardinal. And when the communists took over in his country, they suppressed the church and confiscated all of the church land, and he was labeled as a, a traitor and put into a prisoner camp, oftentimes for long periods of time in solitary confinement. And Cardinal uh, Van Tuan, he said he really struggled to forgive the guards, and he remembered once actually praying for the grace to love those who were, who were hurting him. And one of the ways that he did that was by speaking very kind words to the guards, and he would share with them stories of his travels abroad. He told these communist guards who had never been outside of Vietnam about the beauties of Rome and the United States and different parts of Europe, and they listened. He taught them some French, some Italian, some German. He even taught them Latin, and he taught them, they were very eager. He even taught them how to chant in Latin. And one day he said he felt very depressed, and he said, God, are you still there? God, are you still with me? And at that very moment, way down the hall, he heard one of the guards chanting, Regina Cele Letare, and he just knew God was there. Uh, he became friends with his guard and they allowed him certain privileges, like he was forbidden to have a cross. He fashioned a cross out of wood. When the guard wanted to take it away, he said, but we're friends now and I won't tell anybody, I'll hide it. And so they let him uh, keep his cross. And so love has the power oftentimes to cut through uh, hatred and anger. Many of you know the story of St. Maria Goretti, a young girl who was brutally attacked and raped by her next door neighbor, uh, also a young man named Alejandro. And he stabbed her multiple times with a rusty old file that he had sharpened into a sort of knife and he stabbed her multiple times through her abdomen so hard that it punctured uh, her spinal cord. And she forgave him even before she died. When she was in the hospital, the doctors couldn't do anything for her because the intestines were punctured and she was asking for water. She was so thirsty. And they said, we can't give you water. It'll leak out into your stomach and, and you'll die and they were hoping that she might live. But uh, anyways, she had the Catholic chaplain come, and the Catholic chaplain said to her, remember how thirsty Jesus was on the cross. And although she was only, what, 15, 14, 15 year old girl, at that point she never complained about any pain 
anymore after that. Well, to back up a little bit, her father had died and her mother was trying to take care of the farm. They were tenant farmers. And so Maria Gretti had to watch over her brothers and sisters, the only babysitter. When she died, her mother had no option but to give the, the other brothers and sisters up for adoption. So it completely wrecked this family. Uh, to make matters worse, the man who killed her accused her of trying to rape him, and he was doing this in self-defense. Nobody believed it, um, but even for the church, the, they wanted her to be declared a martyr, but the church recognized that if we declare her a martyr, we're de facto calling him a liar. And so the church held and waited. And finally, uh, Alejandro, who was imprisoned, had a dream where Maria Gretti appeared to him with flowers and said that she forgave him. It changed him. He publicly come out and told the truth. She was declared to be a saint. And eventually, he was released from prison. And on Christmas night, he knocked on the door of the mother of uh, Maria Goretti. And so she opened the door and she saw the murderer of her daughter. And they looked at each other. And he said to her, do you know who I am? And she said, yes. And he said to her, do you forgive me? And she said, if my daughter forgave you, how could I not forgive you? He, she invited them in, they had tea, and then they went together to mass at the midnight mass. All because a little girl offered forgiveness to someone who did such terrible things to her. Alejandro would go on to become a Franciscan monk and he chose for the rest of his life to do uh, his own penance. All because of a very strong girl who offered forgiveness to one who, who hurt her. It makes us think, you know, probably you've never experienced this kind of pain before at the hands of someone, but if a young girl could forgive like that from her heart, uh, how much forgiveness could we do? And what good could come into the world through our forgiveness? As we prepare to enter into the season of Lent, I will challenge you to think of someone whom has hurt you and to see in what ways you might offer your forgiveness, not because you think they deserve it, but because Christ challenges us to forgive from our heart as he forgave. As St. Paul said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As we approach the altar, we receive the bread of life. We receive nourishment from heaven. We receive Christ himself. And he will strengthen us to do this very thing if we ask him. And so let us ask him and begin that season of Lent, striving for perfection as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Amen.